0: The year is 1972. Chicago has two baseball teams. The Cubs are hugely popular on the north side. The White Sox are not on the south side. Until a superstar comes to town named Dick Allen and he transforms an entire franchise. We're lucky enough today to have uh, Dr. David Fletcher who is a co-writer of Chili Dog MVP, the story of Dick Allen in the 1972 White Sox. And it's a great story. He'll tell it coming up here in just a few minutes because Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview is up next. But first, listen to this other fine old pie show. All right, Adam, what uh, country are you from? I am from England. What is the best soccer league in the entire world? The English Premier League. What is your day job? Director of coaching for Illinois Youth Soccer. So if you were, saying a fan of English Premier League and you wanted to hear the the opinions of someone who is from England who knows a lot of soccer what podcast would you tell people they need to listen to? Free Kicks with Adam and Rick and that's on the Radio
1: Misfits Podcast Network Free Kicks, a Tony Lozano podcast an opi show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network Great Talk Radio isn't dead it just moved to a better place Radio Misfits.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity interview. interview with Rick and Dave.
0: Dave, really excited for today's guest. Uh, he's the co author of, arguably, I think, yeah. without question, the best baseball book ever written about White Sox slugger and legend Dick Allen. It's about a lot more than baseball, but it's it's about Dick and the book is called Chili Dog MVP. We welcome Dr. David Fletcher to the show. Welcome.
2: Well, thanks for having me on, and, and uh, I'm really glad that uh, we're going to be able to get a chance to talk about the book today.
0: Well, before we start, I want to read a, a quote from a recent Chicago Tribune article written by Rick Hogan about uh, your book, and I think this sums it up beautifully. I guarantee that the most excitement you'll find, short of a World Series win on either side of town, is in the 400-some pages of Chili Dog MVP, Dick Allen, the 72 White Sox, and a transforming Chicago, from publisher Eckhart's Press. Allen is the centerpiece of this compelling and wildly enjoyable book, which also, which is also an ambitious and clear-eyed look at the city and all of its racial troubles, societal peculiarities and messy political and media landscapes high praise from maybe you know the uh, the most respected uh, media columnist in Chicago don't you think
2: well I was really nice to get that review from from Rick Uh, I've been a big fan of his and and is also his dad when I was growing up in the suburbs of Chicago so to have Rick's uh, uh, endorsement meant the world to me yeah
1: he um, and the the interview that you did with him I don't know, was it four weeks ago, five weeks ago, two yeah. months ago, whatever, it was just spectacular. Uh, you know, I love how, and these and this is your own words, that you went from a white suburban kid who was mesmerized by a black superstar to really being one of his closest friends, right? In fact, you were one of his pallbearers. Tell us a little bit about how this white suburban kid became, you know, a a, a, a dear friend of dick allen
2: well um you know it went from me being a a a teenage you know kid just graduated from high school from glenbar west to you know having dick's iconic sports illustrated being a poster on my bedroom wall uh which i still have 50 years later still on my bedroom wall like it was um it just evolved in that he really made a mark on me as a fan and as a as a as a person, just because he was Michael Jordan before Michael Jordan, he he had such an impact on the city of Chicago and baseball, and and he saved the, the the White Sox franchise. And I was there, you know, days when the Seattle Pilots would came to Comiskey Park in '69. The park's empty, and you know they're they're you know one foot out of town. And so his impact just meant so too much to me as a baseball fan and as a Chicagoan and so forth and so when i started this baseball museum project back in the early 2000s i really wanted to give dick his due because he never really got credit for what he did saving the franchise and so i worked on it from about uh oh seven finally was successful in 2012 i was supposed to meet him in 2008 when i went to goose's um induction in cooperstown in 2008 uh, my co-author john and i were there and we actually asked goose a lot of questions about his mentoring by dick and dick and chuck Tanner were supposed to come <clears throat> and talk to the media but dick left suddenly you know and i find out why he did later because you know he was kind of embarrassed that he was not in the hall of fame and all his peers were there and so he had surprised goose and, and went home so That was sort of my first real attempt, and I I kept working on it to get him to do it. And he finally, his wife really helped convince him to come back to Chicago. And so we had this 40th-year anniversary in 2012, and he came to town a couple times before the actual tribute, and he was received like a a rock star. He he still had this mesmerizing impact. People wanted to see him, saw him on the street. They recognized his aviator glasses. Mm -hmm. And so he just was a very, very special person and he was completely down to earth. Um he he was very quiet, very humble. Uh and we just be really hit it off and you know, I mean, he just was somebody that really was appreciative that he was finally getting what he felt he deserved as far as what he did for the team and what he did for the White Sox. And that's kind of how it started. And then after we did the tribute, which went great, um, I worked on his Hall of Fame campaign and just became close. And that um, his family just, you know, took me under the wing. And and then he had health issues, and so because I'm a physician, you know, I, I got involved in a lot of that. And so unfortunately, um, you know, he died December 2020. But the nice thing is. In September of 2020, Dick invited me to be his personal guest as the only person from Chicago to come to his number 15 retirement number for the Phillies. Uh, And he secretly hoped the White Sox would follow up and do the same. But that was really, really special to be there uh, with his family, with his son. And just it, it meant the world to me. So unfortunately, he died in December of 2020.
0: Well, if you read the book, um, and we encourage all our yeah. listeners to do so, uh, you'll find out about how his relationship with Philadelphia, to say the least, was a little complicated, right? Um, so having his number retired there is amazing. But he always felt really welcome here in Chicago. And the thing that I found the most interesting reading this book was how much his his teammates loved him because he had this uh, – he had this reputation of being difficult uh, you know I, the the press didn't love him you know a lot of the press uh, didn't treat him great in fact that's probably why he's not in the hall of fame is some of the some of the press uh, who vote on that uh, may not be the most uh, the biggest dick allen fans but goose gossage wrote the wrote forward. the the forward yeah. to this book and, and dispelled all that. And lots of his teammates are in this book. And if you look at his numbers from 1972, and you just talk about his how great he was, he won oh. the MVP. 308 batting average, 37 home runs, 113 runs batted in. I mean, this guy was amazing. And Dave and I were little kids, uh-huh. and we watched him play. And he was really... Other than Ernie Banks on the other side of town, he was he was the biggest superstar. Well, that for me, we ever he was saw.
1: being a White Sox fan. He was yeah. by far the biggest star, you know. And he and he only was three years. Wait, yeah. That's, three years. That's amazing. But there was so much drama yeah, around that,
0: him. He had a, a TV show. Uh, yeah, right, 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 right. And he did he break his leg? Wait, he yeah, he didn't he get hurt. Doc, didn't yeah. he get hurt like the next season? And yeah,
2: he got hurt. He got and, and that that changed the the whole destiny of the of the franchise and also Dick's career. They were going to probably run away with the uh, division in, in June of they were ahead in June of two thousand nineteen seventy three, and they were. Uh, doing really well. Dick was going to repeat as a, the MVP, and, uh, and Milton would come back from his back surgery. They'd gotten Henderson uh, to play center field. So they were really on all cylinders, and, and Dick gets a crashes. Epstein runs on his foot uh, in late June of 73, and he gets a hairline fracture of his fibula, and they it, it, you know, knocks him out. He, he played about one or two games after that, he was the leading vote getter again for the All Star team, but that just basically everything stopped after that. I mean, the Sox, you know, they, they didn't have him you know, on the team. They went down the rest of the year, and they still had a great year attendance wise, even better than seventy two. But that that leg fracture really set him back, and even had one of the Sox doctors say he was faking. And yeah. Yeah. It, it was pretty sad. And so I, I, I've always believed, and we put it in the book. We think if you know, if the Sox had won 73 or the whole relationship, the Cubs and the Sox in the city would be completely different. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. it is what it is.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, and he um, missed the and this is the second time that he missed the Hall of Fame. He was one short or one vote short of being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. You know, looking at his career, I, you know, I think there's no doubt that he should be there. Um, please tell me there's still a chance that he can go, you know, get into the Hall of Fame. Or what do you think is this?
2: So, well, obviously, I believe he should be in the Hall of yeah. Fame, and make a pretty strong case for it. Uh, the book ends on uh, the Hall of Fame vote in December mm-hmm. 2021, where he lost by a vote again. You know, I was with, you know, holding hands with his son, just like I was in 2014. hoping he would he'd make it, mm-hmm. and he didn't. Uh, and so it was heartbreaking. And so he was going to have to be wait till the next time that the gold era met, which was going to be 2026, mm. uh, just about 10 days ago, the hall of fame changed the rules. Again, they have a new committee structure. They have this thing called the classic baseball era of stars before 1980. So he'll have a chance to get voted in on, in 2024, However, he's grouped with uh, you know former Negro League players, executives, managers, because um, pretty much anybody that had any competition against him got you know voted in this this year with Minnie Minoso, with right. Gail Hodges, with Jim Cott, his teammate who they're really close to, and also Tony Oliva. Uh, so he would have been pretty obvious in twenty six that he would have been the top pick, but. You know, a lot of politics behind it, but, yeah. I mean, you know, Dick's numbers speak for themselves. And one of the, the hopes with the book was there's no other baseball player that can save the, save the franchise. No, and right. that's kind of what we wanted to do with the book, besides tell this great story about the city of Chicago in 72, was how one person impacted a franchise to keep him in Chicago with getting their contract back with WMAQ, getting the fans coming back, uh, and it, it gave some life for the franchise to continue on that the owner, John Allen, was able, despite the big recession in 73, 74, was able to convince Bill Veck to come back for a few more years. And then finally, obviously, the Reinsdorf uh, ownership. But that's one of the big purposes of the book was it to focus on the pinnacle year and really what it meant. And that's kind of what, my objective was and John's uh, my co-author's objective was.
0: Well, I think you guys nailed it. Oh, I mean, God. it's great. It's, uh, it's a history book like you mentioned. It covers the political cultural history of Chicago. Um, you know, I, I I would argue that Chicago is an important of a character as Dick Allen is in this book. I mean, it, it Dick Allen may be the star of the book, but 1972 in Chicago really comes to light oh, yeah? on the pages well, of this book.
2: I'm I'm glad yeah, uh, you know uh you know do guys think that that's what we wanted to do that's why we had mayor daly on the cover you know he's an important character the whole background of, of the city um and, and it really is and, and is a really a book of it was really a current book because of black lives matter uh it, it, we really wanted to get the uh, how much the past is a prologue uh we bring in about this this white hard hat riot down in the city of Chicago in in '69 that was kind of a prelude to the January 6th insurrection, uh, and just the whole stuff with you know with with race relations and and and, and just you know one thing was nice about Comiskey Park, there a lot of of minority fans came there, and right. Dick really noticed that, and it, it was a place that there was some unity. And uh, and that, and we wanted to talk about that. And so that the importance, it, we just didn't want to do a baseball book. We wanted to put it in the context of the times. And I think critics like Rick Cogan Rick really liked that. It just wasn't just about the numbers and stats. It was more than that.
0: Well, you got on the cover, you also, you mentioned Mayor Daley. You also have Nancy Faust in there. Sure. She's a, a big character in this book. And Wilbur Wood, the great pitcher. But
1: also... Harry Carey, Harry Carey. So you uncovered, uh, um, in 1972, I have the, the right here. Harry had a, something known as the drinking diary, uh, and supposedly he did it because of the IRS. Is that kind of tell us? Tell us, yeah. Harry's <laughs> a drinking diary, and the fact that he made 1,242 bar stops <laughs> and how in, he survived in, in 1972. Well. Uh,
2: um, you know, we were really very fortunate that Grant DePorter, who runs the Harry Carey restaurant chain, you know, gave us access to that. And uh, uh, it just adds to the flavor of the book. I mean, you know, that's why it, it's not just a baseball book. And mm-hmm. Harry was his second year with the White Sox, and he was very important for the team, saying in Chicago, just as much as Dick. And so, you know, that was after he had been fired by the Cardinals, and he had his one year in in. In Oakland, and he got basically rescued to come to the White Sox. You know, he was hired by Stu Holcomb, and he had to take a pay cut. But he was smart enough to get a an attendance clause. And so, I mean, it was his typical you know uh, night crawling activities. And you know, uh, Nancy Faust had to drive him around a lot. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you can read between the lines with those comments, but, <laughs> but but I think you know I think the thing is that it just puts perspective how different the time was yeah. and and um we just thought it was an interesting aspect of the book again we wanted the human side of these characters and uh and you know it was they they really helped marry each other with you know dick and uh harry kind of made each other stars and you know and and so uh especially when 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 dick hits his iconic home run that harry Carey almost Caught in his net, mm-hmm. net back in August of twenty third, nineteen seventy two. We have a picture of that with Harry uh, waving his net. We have a nice picture of him, uh, which we got licensed from the Tribune with Harry, you know, shirtless. And yeah. it, it's a different time and era, and and I think you really understand how important it was to have these characters come to life and having the drinking diary and who he he drank with was so important.
1: Oh, it's like Jack Benny, yeah. and uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, I mean, even.
0: You know, the later in his career, Harry was not very popular with the players. Um, but there's a picture, uh, you know, the Goose Gossage picture in here mm-hmm. for his forward is uh, Goose with the statue of Harry at the Hall of Fame.
2: Well, it's not the Hall of Fame. It's at Harry Carey's restaurant.
0: Oh, it's at the restaurant. Yeah, you're right. It's at
2: the restaurant. And yeah. so um, you know, I took that picture. We were there. We had... Uh, uh, with that night was uh, Roland Heeman and, and, uh, and, and Goose and, and, and myself. And, and uh, so, um, you know, Goose was a, you know, a 20 year old youngster when he came up in 1972, uh, started his hall of fame career. Eventually he went to the Cubs and, you know, he was there when, when Harry was still there and right. uh, 88. And uh, he didn't, that wasn't one of his best years. He he talks about it a lot, but um we thought that picture was important because, um, you know, Goose is an important character in the book and the fact that, you know, he did go on to the Hall of Fame and he, he just absolutely worshipped Dick. Uh, when Dick died, the first person I called after, I was I knew within about six minutes after he died, the next person I called was Goose. Yeah, Absolutely started bawling, crying. And he did several interviews for Chicago Media about it, which were tremendous in his, his memories. And, uh, so, I mean, he's a guy who definitely has no filter and, but I mean, that's the kind of ball player you wanted. And he just absolutely uh, adored Dick for basically, you know, teaching him how to pitch, uh, to batters. And, uh, I mean, he just, you know, He continuously says he's the best player he's ever seen in his entire career, and that says a lot for oh, yeah. someone like him. Yeah. You
0: know. No kidding, who played for all those so, series yeah. champions. Yeah. Suck on that, Reggie Jackson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Before we let you go, you have to tell us the Dick Allen Chili Dog story and why this book is called Chili Dog MVP.
2: Well, it's because of the signature moment in the season it was June 4th, 1972. It was the same day the Chicago Tribune – had a Sunday magazine with you know pretty provocative picture of Nancy Faust and mm. Wilbur Wood and, and Bill <laughs> Melton on the cover. And which so, is in the
0: book. Which is in which the book. In the book. Yep.
2: And uh, also Wilbur Wood had complained to Stu Holcomb that it was uh, not wholesome for me to do this photograph thing. And we're actually, Rick Hogan's trying to get us the contact sheets from Stravinsky, mm. the famous fa- fashion photographer who did this, the photo shoot. I even had to ask Wilbur Woods permission in 2021 to allow me to put that in the book. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So he's gotten over it. He's gotten over it. He's got the second wife now. Okay, there you go. Good for him. uh, Yeah. So, so, you know, Wilbur's got the book, loves the book. So, uh, but that day was very special. It was a um, Sunday doubleheader against the. You know, the hated New York Yankees who are coming back after a few years in the wilderness of being a contender. Uh, Dick had played every game. They'd won the first game of the doubleheader. It was bat day. 51,000 fans were there. It was like the fourth biggest crowd ever at, at Tomisky. Uh, they turned away about 7,000 fans. And so the owner, John Allen, was upset that Dick wasn't in the lineup for the second game. And Chuck Tanner said, I'm just saving him for the right moment. And so the Sox were losing four to two in the bottom of the ninth. And it was the perfect time for him to come up, be a pinch hitter. And so uh, Jim O'Keefe, who was the clubhouse attendant, had made this chili that day. And Dick was partaking in a chili dog, you know, waiting by his locker. He just got out of the whirlpool. And uh, Rory Clark, who was the bad boy, had to go get Dick and retrieve him to come out to bat, and so Dick had dribbled all this chili on the front of his jersey, and, 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 he, and, and he, you know, he had to hastily he changed into another, another, another jersey, and he had to get his. He always wore his sweats, despite being, you know, even in the summer. Uh, that day happened to be particularly cool for June, but he, he had to get his 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 famous um, sweat. Uh, shirt on mm-hmm. and so he basically came out of the dugout you know after cleaning himself up from dribbling the chili <laughs> and he faced Sparky Lyle and uh, on uh, uh, second base was Bill Milton uh, on first base was was Mike Andrews uh, who uh, who got a, uh, a single and uh, so he uh, was pinch run by uh, George Orta and so Sparky Lyle when, when uh, we came in to pitch. Mike Andrews had been on the Red Sox with Sparky. He said, "Hey, you are a deep doo doo now?" Uh, uh, he didn't and,
1: say doo doo, did he? he
2: well, I, I didn't know what kind of audience we had.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you could say it. Okay,
2: you're a deep shit now. So, uh, so it's it's a very it was just an iconic moment. Set up. It was just it was again Michael Jordan before Michael Jordan. It's yeah. the game winning shot, and so this was the White Sox own resurrection after drawing less, you know, less 500,000 fans in 1970. And, and so the place was, you know, still packed despite being about six o'clock at night. And, uh, you know, Dick took a one-on-one count, a slider, and he hit a frickin' rope to left field. It was about 20 feet off the ground. It was like a two-iron uh, shot. Everybody knew immediately it was gone. And it was probably the most iconic moment, at for a Sox game, other than a, in a World Series yeah. like Connerco's blast, uh, ever and yeah. you know, certainly during the regular season. Obviously, Tim Anderson's Field uh, to Dream event uh, home run was, <laughs> was, was 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 similar, but this was a key you know win for the White Sox. Uh, they were challenging the upstart Oakland A's. They ended up erasing an eight and a half game. Uh, uh, deficit in Jul- in july and by the end of august the white Sox a one and a half games up and had a really good chance to win the division but uh injuries to melton and bart johnson you know basically cost him the the, the division title
1: i love uh, that story it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a great book and it's uh again just we're just tickled to have to be part of this doc and well yeah.
2: Well, I appreciate that. I'm, uh, As you know, I'm working hard on the, the sequel. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to be called the uh, Comiskey Park uh, demo. Uh, the, the wrecking ball comes to the south side. So uh, it's going to be very similar in the format as far as uh, uh, the politics and, and the sociology of the town, but time it's going to be more Kamiski park as the character yeah.
0: there's more to come with our guest on minutiae man celebrity interview right after this we'll be right back i'm rick i'm dave and we're the hosts of the minutiae podcast rick is the former executive producer of two hall of fame radio shows dave is an out-of-the-box thinker a guerrilla marketer and former advertising agency we've been friends for 40 years i was the best man at dave's wedding yeah you were an okay man at best was that really necessary, Minutia Man? and Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. We're back. Well, tell everybody where they can get the book. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I we know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's well, and,
2: and, you know, go on the Eckhart's Press uh, uh, website to order it. It's also available. The electronic uh, candle version from Amazon uh, is available. You know, we also have a website, Chili Dog MVP, that uh, that's a link to the Eckhart's uh, site. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we urge people to, to, uh, to get the book. They won't be bored. I think they'll like the pictures we have. We have almost 67, 68 different illustrations. Uh, and, you know, we've been really pleased that, um, you know, we've, a lot of people have, have believed it's become the f- best White Sox book that's ever come out. And we, we certainly appreciate your support, John and I have, and the rest of my creative team. But we were really lucky you know, we had, you know, most of the main characters who are living all participated. Yeah, and that's yeah. what makes it so special.
0: Well, it is special, and we're very proud to have published it. It's called Chili Dog MVP, Dr. David Fletcher, along with John Owens, who wrote it. It's uh, edited by George Castle, forwarded by Goose Gossage. Uh, as you mentioned, contributive, contributors, uh, all the 72 Socks that are still out there, contributors. Thank you very much for being on the show. We greatly appreciate yeah, it. Yeah,
1: thank and I'll see you next week.
2: All right, see you. All uh, right. right, see you guys. All right, bye right, bye. All right,
0: bye bye bye. Thank you to Dr. David J. Fletcher. Uh, executive producer of Minutia Men Celebrity Interview is Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again soon with a brand new episode of Minutia Men Celebrity Interview.
1: The proceeding was a presentation of Opi Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Ol' Productions. Tony, can you shut up?
2: I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and my co-host, Luke Costable, each week for the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, the podcast where two regular car guys talk about, what else? Cars. We'll tell you about what we've seen on the roads, what's happening in the industry, and share some great stories about our experiences in the automotive world over the past several decades. We guarantee it'll be fun, informative, and entertaining. It's the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lissano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.